Hi friend and welcome to the Idea of Us podcast. I'm happy to have you here and I would like to start out with apologizing. Apologizing for taking extremely long to publish a show, for saying this is so beautiful. <laughs> Once you hear this episode, you will exactly know what I mean and for the quality of the audio. My interview partner and I were located continents away from each other and since she shared so many valuable things, please increase the volume to enjoy it fully. Regarding my delay, I will not name any, any excuses here, but I'll promise to do better. Great, since we got this out of the way. How are you doing? I am so happy that you tuned in today and I hope you're doing well and staying safe. Today, we will discuss an important topic, the importance of mental health, with an expert in this field, Danique Boxel, professional clinical counselor who is not just a friend but a sister. I was introduced to her by another sister of mine, Sugi, which are both now relatives through time and experiences. She will share her knowledge with us and we will learn and discuss the topic of mental health and its importance. Why asking for help is so complicated and how it affects minorities and the black community. I hope that it will bring you as much joy as it brought me, that you will learn something, that you're going to be inspired to take care of yourself and if your cup is full, to also take care of your loved ones. Hi, and welcome to the third episode of The Idea of Us. Today, I have a very special guest with me. She is my sister and a friend, beautiful human being, and uh, I'm very, very grateful and lucky to have her here today on the show. So welcome, Danique. Thank you, Yerika. I feel the very same way. Thank you. Thank you. So um, let's start with how we know each other. Mm -hmm. Wow. Life is so interesting. Um, I think life brought us together. We have a very special friend in common, but I can't actually, I was trying to think about this. I can't actually remember the very first day I met you or the first time I met you. I just feel like uh, you've always been in my life. I wonder if it was the um, in San Francisco. Do you remember? Yes, I do remember the picnic. And But you know what? I had to think about it. <laughs> Yesterday, I thought about it the whole day. I was like, where did I, where did I meet Danique? Because it feels like we're friends for forever. Yes. So it was at the picnic uh, in San Francisco where Sugi, shout out to Sugi. Uh, <laughs> yes, she's who is a very good friend uh, of ours and uh, as well a very special human being that brought us together yeah. and, and it was a picnic and I just I don't know like I think we clicked from the beginning I just loved Aura and everything you were about and specifically when I saw your apartment and all the books that you read <laughs> that was uh, it was very crystal clear for me that uh I hope that we stay friends for a long time, already at that point. But that's how we met. Yeah. Uh, I remember it now vividly. Yes. Off the grid, the video in San Francisco. I remember it like it was yesterday. And I, I have felt the same the same way also, Yadaga. Just kindred spirits. And I'm really grateful for your friendship. Thank you, Danique. Me, me, I am as well. And you agreed. Uh, I asked you uh, I, at the beginning when I started um, the Idea of Us podcast mm -hmm. uh, if you would come out uh, to the show, and you said yes. <laughs> Made me so happy. <laughs> I want to start a little bit by um, I want to know a little bit more about you and and uh, share that with our listeners today. So mm -hmm. I would love if you tell us a little bit. About your passion, your purpose. Sure, sure. So uh, I think probably in a nutshell, my, my passion and, and purpose um, are really rooted in, in mental health. Um, and the way that I explain it to my friends, my family, just being fully invested in the mental and emotional well-being of my ancestors' children. For me, that, that means a lot of different things. The way that I show up at work, um, I'm a registered associate professional clinical counselor. And a little bit later, we can talk about the different kinds of therapists and psychotherapists, terminology, that kind of thing. And I also do some consulting work uh, for organizations at the intersection of mental health and uh, organizational culture and racial equity facilitation, um, that kind of thing, really focusing on culture shifts within organizations centering racial equity, in addition to my clinical work. So with clinical work, I see uh, individual adults, couples, 
teens and youth in a group private practice in Oakland. It's called Sankofa uh, Holistic Counseling Services. And I've been there for about a year. Um, I also do a lot of work with the Association of Black Psychologists. There, the Bay Area chapter started a, a program called Therapist in Residence. And so I've I've been with them for about a year or two. And so I do a lot of work rooted in black psychology. And then what else? This is a second career for me also, Yedek. I, I can share with your listeners that it's, it's never too late to pursue what you are deeply passionate about and what you feel called to pursue. So before this, I did healthcare management consulting. So I was still in the, in the healthcare arena, but doing very very more systems-oriented kind of productivity-based, revenue-based work around strategy development and that kind of process improvement type of thing from boutique firms, big four. Uh, and then, yeah, I had a, a kind of a moment of reckoning where all my interests just, you know, kept aligning with the people part of the work, not so much the process part of the work. And I sat with that for a long time, um, reflected deeply and decided to go back to grad school to make this make this a reality to become a clinician. And it has brought me to this space and I have not looked back. <laughs> That's great. I, I I remember when I met you. I think you were um in in grad school, and I, and it takes so much courage uh, as well, you, you know, to change to shift. Um, you're still in the same same industry, sort of, but you 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 shifted your your purpose or your your role. And how was that process for you? Maybe you can you can tell us a little bit about it. Happy to. Um, thank you for that. It's uh. You're right. And I, I think sometimes it really, it's about fear. You know, it's, oh, but I've already invested in this thing. I'm supposed to be doing this. Um, I should just finish, you know, the salary is great. All the things that we kind of tell ourselves. But I think if, 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 you know, in that moment of just being still and checking in with what do I want? Not, you know, the voices around me or what I think I'm supposed to be doing, the boxes we we tend to, to put ourselves in or that society puts us in. I, I had to really you know, kind of sit with that and create my own narrative. And so there was a little bit of fear um, walking away from, you know, a career I invested a decade in and going back to school and, you know, deciding, all right, this is, it's it's not going to be a new job. I knew it wasn't going to be, you know, another job. It was going to be a whole new skill set and really just a different way of working. So I, yeah, I, you know, I planned for it. There's, there's no nobility in, you know, not being able to take care of yourself because you're pursuing what's important. And I also believe that, you know, the universe conspires to, to, to make that happen for you when you're in alignment. So I, I did, I tried to take each step thoughtfully and yeah, it wasn't without fear yet I got, but I, I did anyway. And it paid off um, really, really richly and it's I don't know if you've ever had that moment where you're in a space and you just know with every fiber of your being that this is exactly where you're supposed to be that's what my first day of, of class was like um going back to grad school a couple of years ago so yeah when we met I was halfway through I think wow yeah that's that but you know that, that first of all that's so beautiful that you when you like you knew exactly that there was fear behind it so you mm. obviously there's fear in a in in change always right yeah. but without that investment you wouldn't have received what you're receiving now that you exactly as you beautifully said aligned <laughs> with the universe with your purpose with whatever uh, you want uh, to do in your life and uh, I think that is so important. It's so important that we uh, reach uh, that we reach that point. But as you said uh, as well, there's a lot of boxes we think we have to check yeah. uh, whether they're interest, like whether they come from from within myself or the expectations around me. So mm -hmm. uh, I, I I really um, admire the step you took. <laughs> I wish you would have been my counselor, but you're my friend, so it does work. <laughs> We are, we are forever friends. So yes, you have me in that capacity and I have you in that capacity. <laughs> yes, that is so true. So for everyone else, I am jealous, but uh, <laughs> who does, who uh, receives Danique as um, as a support person, as a counselor in the, and as a friend in their life. But you said that you changed basically. It was more strategy before. It was more systemic. And now it's going towards more the people part. Mm -hmm. So you you find joy in helping people because as a counselor that is what you do you want to support someone you want to help them and why did you decide it 
to why did you decide to um, make that part of your purpose? I think you decided to make me part of the purpose. I, I don't I don't know that I I don't know that I chose it so much as I I I, I woke up to it or woke up to a calling, if you will. So yeah, the work I did before it's it's important work. It's you know it's what allows I think for systems to really function and, and, and improve their their ability to, pro- to, pro- to provide services and improve the delivery of healthcare services in, in, in the health space it, so it's, it's valuable work it just wasn't my work or or it was for a period of time you know and I think as I kind of mentioned I a lot of the projects so you know maybe it was a big systems related project or implementing um, some kind of electronic health record or something or it was mostly process oriented. There would be some people components in training folks or supporting people. You know, when you go live with a new system, and that's where I always found the most joy. I would sign up for all of the the people related types of um, teams and projects and, and assignments. I would always kind of want to be more aligned with interfacing with people, connecting with people. That's something that I've just always felt a, a, a natural affinity uh, for, and so I, I didn't really think of it you know in, in a career context what is what does that mean how you know how could that how, how could that manifest itself into a career so that's where you know I, I did a lot of um, reading introspection and you know you, you do these assessments sometimes if, if you ever come across these of oh what's, what's my passion what's my purpose what am I good at so I went through all of that and you know yet it really was just tuning out kind of the noise and sitting quietly with myself and, and sitting with like what I already knew to be true and recognizing that, okay, this is going to involve maybe some risk um, and maybe, yeah, a shift and, and making it happen. Um, so yeah, always, always knew that I wanted to help people and, and just kind of, yeah, really became passionate. I think about mental health over a period of time, understanding my own, understanding the different things that influence our mental health. So the two started to come together in a way that I didn't expect, but I had to respond to. Thank you so much, Danique. I love how you say that. Like it chose me (laughs) so beautifully said because it's within you. Like that's what you kind of already knew always what you are, what's your purpose, but maybe it takes some time to, to align it with, um, yeah. what is happening in life uh, and what is happening around you. Yeah. And um, you've been now, I think, probably a dec- more than a decade in the industry. But a topic that we, the topic that we want to talk about today is mental health. Mm-hmm. So I was wondering uh, why you believe, because I, I, as we, we said before, like fear plays a, as a, plays a big role within change. And we all, all of us go through things sometimes and, mm-hmm. and um, mental health plays an important role. Mm-hmm. So I would like to know your opinion. Like, why do you think it is important specifically like coming with your background and from your perspective? Mm, yeah. Thank you for that question. Uh, yeah. So more than a decade in, in the healthcare arena in general, in, in mental health professionally, um, it's, it's been about three years. I think it's important to think of mental health, Yadega, the way that we do, the way that we do think of physical health. I think very often when we think of mental health, we, th- we think of mental illness, um, mm-hmm. of the diagnoses that, that tend to go with that, right? When we think of mental health, we automatically mm-hmm. think, oh, how, how is it compromised? How is it falling apart? We, you know, we're the common diagnoses around anxiety and depression and, post-traumatic stress disorder, different kinds of things that we have become familiar with just through reading, listening, what we hear um, and see in media. We tend to focus on when mental health goes awry, when it goes wrong. And if we think of it as a part of our well-being, the way that we think of physical health, the way that we might invest in taking care of physical health in a preventative way or taking care of ourselves when we do fall ill or something like that, for me, that tends to be it's just a more holistic picture of really picture of really thinking through the importance of mental health. Why is it so important? Because it, it's part of our equilibrium. It's part of you know how we function. It makes up a really strong pillar of our well-being. So I, I kind of just I, I try to expand that um, that frame in the conversations I have with folks, with clients, with people who are curious and you know kind of skeptical. What is what does this all mean? You know, just to really center the conversation. And we think of this as every other part of our lives that. 
we invest into to create an atmosphere of health and well-being, this is the same thing. What you just said, like, just resonated with me so much because I was thinking about mental health as something I need to fix. Right, right. <laughs> like, I was thinking, about, okay, mental health means I'm fixing. Mm-hmm. But what you are referring to more is like, okay, like, like I go to the gym, not to fix, but just to be maybe preventive. Sure, right? yeah. That's how we should uh, see mental health. But what do you think? Why do you think we don't? Uh, am I uh, the minority in thinking like that, that we depict something? And where do you think that comes from? Exactly. Um, great question. It's you're not. You're not the minority. Um, I do think a lot of us um, think that way. And this is where we get into the stigma around uh, mental health. We're socialized to think that way. At a go. We we don't get the same kind of messaging, you know, just growing up in our communities. We don't hear people talk about mental health the way that we do when we talk about, you know, physical health, going to see a physician because of something or going for your annual checkup. That's just kind of part of our language. It's the way that that's the way that we talk. You, something's wrong. Oh, I'm going to see a doctor. Oh, okay. I hope you feel better. It's, it's just part of what we realize, right? It's, um, there's a big cultural component there as well. I'm Jamaican. Growing up, that's not that's not part of the narrative. If something's going on with you, there is you know, there's a doctor that you will see that takes care of your physical health. But there is no kind of frame of reference for. But who do you see if you're you've been feeling this thing that you can't explain, and you're not able to sleep, or you've been feeling anxious, or in, in that way, or you know if if something isn't wrong, and just kind of having that idea of, of, of the fact that mental health exists. It is a part of, of our well-being. How do we have conversations around uh, the things that you know we're experiencing or going through? Do we? Do we make space for a mental health narrative? I think that's part of how we're socializing. We, historically, we have not. I think that's starting to shift now. But yeah, it hasn't been part of, of what we hear. I totally agree with you. Um, most people that I know and then I think there's a different layer. Like you said, you're from Jamaica uh, and I'm from uh, Eritrea and, and I see the same, <laughs> the same patterns. Mental health is, it's not even, it's always it's even a topic you would not even talk about um, right. because it is considered as weakness and which I believe is, is, is something is a belief that is quite common uh, within the black community, I think uh, in general, but within, even within Western communities, and talking about mental health may be uh, a little bit more progressive in the in Western uh, communities or countries, but it's still not where it's supposed to be. I believe. What do you? What yeah, do you- I would agree with you. I do think it's evolving, um, but yeah, and that's you know that's really where a lot of the stigma comes from. This this idea that it is a weakness that you should be able to handle whatever it is that is on your plate. If you are not doing well and you're, you're, something's going on emotionally, mentally, it's not, it's not a physical attribute that one can see. And, you know, maybe in, in that way, then something's off, something's wrong. There's, there's a lot of shame around that. And so if you, if you're, you're, you know, if you're told just kind of in a societal context, this is the way that the society holds mental health. When you start to have a different experience, who are you going to talk to? You know, who will you share that with? If it isn't welcome, the conversation isn't isn't a nurturing, inviting, welcome conversation to really talk about what's going on in the internal experience. There's a lot of isolation. There's a lot of shame. There's yeah, it's it's it becomes kind of oppressive, which is its own additional layer of stress that we're dealing with. You know, in addition to the that original wound, so it becomes compounded. But yes, it is. It has been. Uh, historically in in the black community in other communities of color in in immigrant communities uh, you know you and I those are the messages that we get around mental health it, it is a weakness you should be able to take care of this be strong you know mm-hmm. push through you've got when you're thinking you know hello I'm a whole human experiencing a wide array of of emotions of feelings and there's only space for one I, I, I must be smiling I must be positive you know I, I can't experience anything else well this is strange and so generationally that's a message that we get and you know I think it, it came from a place of survival right there you know that yeah. is absolutely if we think of just what our ancestors have been through 
there wasn't a lot of time and flexibility to to reflect and to no, nurture what was going on internally. It was putting one foot in front of the other and surviving and you know, helping families thrive, putting food on the table. So, you know, we, we get where it comes from, but as we evolve, is it is it still serving us? You know, I beg us to really pause and really consider how are we talking about this? How are the youth hearing us talk about this? How are our children hearing us talk about this? So we, we start to normalize uh, this conversation. Yes, you couldn't you couldn't have said it better, uh, Denique. That's so true because specifically the pushing through part, you know. And I love how you um, explained it because there's obviously there's a reason for why uh, our ancestor, why we are the way we are, and why our ancestors. And it is definitely coming from how we deal with struggle. And there is some healing as well, I, I would say, in t- not taking everything too serious, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Like the joy and. Um, and then not thinking about things too much. I think there can be some healing within it, but mm-hmm. I think we are at the stage where we are suppressing. And then I totally agree with where you said, like how, like how is that serving us mm-hmm. uh, anymore? And um, and it is it is an important topic. But do you see that? Do you see like a little? I mean, now you're in Jamaica as well, <laughs> right? Now, do you see a shift uh, within your community uh, or within the Black community? I do, I do, and I'm really excited about the Erica. And yes, you make a good point. We are evolving, and yes, we are suppressing, and the environment plays a really critical role in that. Because if you don't feel safe expressing what's going on with you, how you're feeling, that you're you're feeling challenged, or you're having some kind of emotional struggle, if you don't feel safe sharing that, then you know that you're you're silenced. Your silence just because of the environment that you're in. So we talk about uh, kind of the, the ideologies around mental health in Western culture. Um, that's an important point. And, and you know, who, who is safe to, to speak freely? Who, who, who is welcomed to the, to the conversation? Who, who, who is space made for? You know what I mean? There's, no, there's not always equity in that. So even though we're evolving uh, for people of color, that's not always the case. To answer your question, I do see a shift. Yes, I see... Uh, a shift in, in the way that um, influential people are talking about mental health, from political figures to celebrities, you know, really talking about their own struggles and journeys and really talking openly about seeing therapists and being in psychotherapy. And I feel like there's, I've, I've, I've read a few things that talk about, it talks about the, the therapy generation. Um, and I think there is, there's a lot of beauty in that to be able to, to, to normalize those conversations. So, you know, folks can be curious and really move toward uh, those kinds of conversations, you know, instead of retreating from them. So, yeah, even in my own culture, I was uh, driving from Kingston the other day and saw a billboard around, you know, if you need help, if you are struggling with mental health issues, here are some numbers to call, kind of, you know, around crisis, that kind of thing. And I was thinking, wow, this is, this is amazing. This is, you know, coming from growing up here, leaving after high school to, to go away for college um, in the U.S., there was not, that was not a thing. Having that kind of a conversation was not a thing, I can tell you. So, you know, yeah, hearing my dad bring me up to speed about what's been going on in the news, different kinds of mental health conversations, people just really speaking openly um, about mental health interventions, mm-hmm. uh, their programming. It's, it's been impressive, and I'm really hopeful for what the future holds. Yes, uh, that's beautiful to see that there was that you can see there's a shift, uh, and I can see a shift in our communities as well. And mm-hmm. uh, what would interest me uh, is wh- what do you think in terms of gender? Does that play a role? Like because I, for instance, have the feeling in my community that females we are used to speaking up, we're used to speaking about what is mm-hmm. going on with it within us. But I don't really see that within the male community. Like, you know, the you have to be strong, you have to be pushed through. We have them both, whether you're female or male. But I see it a little bit more on the male side. And I don't think it's is it's serving them very well or I even think it's harmful. So no, yeah, yeah. I don't know that it's a choice. You know, I don't yeah. think it's a choice. We we as we are allowed to speak up, we are given space to Mm-hmm. To, to emote right if you um, whatever it is that you're feeling if you feel the need to cry if you feel the need to scream you're given space to you're consoled differently right so 
you know, seeing gender as a spectrum, that's, that's also, um, something that I think we're, we're evolving in, in, in communities, in communities of color and black communities, certainly in, in my community and in immigrant communities as well, culturally. So holding, holding gender as a spectrum. Oh, and just looking at how we're socialized. Oh, I don't, I, I, I don't think we can expect men to to emote the same way. It is just, they're not given the same kind of space. Mm. There's a very different set of rules and expectations, right? So when you think of, of what we're allowed to do, what we're allowed to say, if you um, fall and scratch your knee, someone's there to, you know, in a, in, in a traditional sense, to pick you up, to brush you off, let you know, okay, what's the message that a little boy might get, you know, oh, Get up, keep running, you're fine. You know what I'm saying? Like very early, those messages are indoctrinated in us very early. So, yeah, it kind of com- it comes back to, again, the environment, um, those narratives, those social structures systemically that teach us how to behave, that teach us how to feel, and teach mm-hmm. us what, what emotions do we get to, to express. And it's not all of them in, 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 in those cases. What I'm hearing uh, is um, that for me, there there's a couple of stigmas that you talked about. One is the stigma, obviously, of we need to fix mental health rather than we're doing it preventively. And if, in the first place, we are uh, allowed to um, to um, articulate our issues that we are having in in the communities that we're living in, and for me, that is aligned with because let's say. I have a mental issue. I have to ask for help, right? I have to ask someone, whether it's my family, whether it's a counselor or a therapist, whatever. So, but we have in that regard, another issue again, because in a lot of communities that I know asking for help (laughs) is again, a sign of weakness, right? So I would like to talk a little bit uh, uh, with you about why we, why we are uh, perceiving it like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's important. You know, who, who do you ask for help? Who are you allowed to ask for help? Does this mm-hmm. mean now that you're talking about your family and sharing your family's business with people on the street? You know, like that's this perception of, oh, how dare you talk about us? Or you're talking to a stranger about your feelings. So then, <laughs> right? That, uh, you're laughing because you know it's true. Those messages are like, <laughs> mean you're talking to a therapist. Who is this person? So there's that layer of, of just dealing with what comes with that. Again, that, that stigma, the narrative around what that even means. You should be able to deal with your, your issues yourself. You should be able to keep them in the family. If we start using the word should too much, I get concerned because here, here are the boxes again that come with limiting what we, what we're able to do and the, the flexibility and freedoms that we try to exercise in the, in the context of our lives. So yes, there, there's limitations around around that, around knowing that we may need some help, identifying, okay, there is something, there's something going on here. I want to check in with someone. Um, maybe it's preemptively. I'm not really sure what's going on, but let me talk with someone. Or mm-hmm. the, the, the experiences that we're having uh, might be aligned with some really you know, challenging symptoms, debilitating symptoms. What does this mean? So being able to really identify that too can be a struggle and a barrier yet again because of that kind of push through mentality that you know we we tend to have in the black community and in communities of of color. Okay, if I'm pushing through and I'm you know waking up one foot in front of the other and I'm doing doing what I need to do, you you might not notice that there is this weight that you are carrying around that there is this this feeling that you have that you can't quite describe, that you haven't been sleeping well, that you haven't been eating well, that mm. you're irritable, that you are feeling sad or that your thoughts are racing or, or you know, there, there's so many, there's just, we experience different things in different ways, just highlighting maybe some of the common uh, symptoms, mm. different kinds of, um, yeah, mental health challenges. We might not have the, the time and sometimes really what people might say could be a luxury to really stop and check in with ourselves to say, wait, I'm, something's off base here. I need some help. So sometimes it can be really just the ability to, to check in with ourselves that can be compromised. If we're able to do that or, you know, be in relationship with other people who can say, hey, you know, I've noticed that since this thing happened, you haven't quite been yourself. How are you feeling? That might be a moment where we get a chance to to pause and to reflect. Knowing who to ask, you know, if you can if you do have a relationship with 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 a friend who 
is does see a therapist or that just even that topic of conversation is accessible for that friend. You might say something, hey, I'm thinking about talking to someone. Hopefully you're met with support and it makes the process a little bit easier. Asking your physician, hey, you know, do you know any mental health clinicians or do you know of anyone I can talk to? I've been kind of feeling this way. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of people start with with that first line of, of medical intervention with their physicians. That's who they're comfortable with. And for a lot of people, what we call somatization, when you're experiencing mental health struggles, it, it shows up in the body. And so you, know, you might be talking to a physician about this incessant headache or this, this stomach ache that you've been feeling, chest pain, that kind of thing. And so there's absolutely, you know, a space for that. And your physician will go through all the, the clinical steps that need to happen. And if it's related to and connected to stress and, and mental health pressures, that kind of thing, then that could be a place where you could get a recommendation also. Um, and, you know, the we're all connected online and it, you, you, know, you probably do a quick Google search of um, clinicians in your area by zip code, that kind of thing. I'm happy to share some resources. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it can be daunting to scroll through a whole list of folks, but there are directories there that, that are helpful. Um, therapy for Black Girls, Therapy for Black Men, the Association of Black Psychologists. Today, if you are using insurance, you can go directly to your plan to see what's in network. I'm not yes. a, Yeah, so there are options to, to find support, but I, it, you know, it, we have to recognize that, yes, there are also barriers to, to getting to that point. Yeah, absolutely. I agree because on, uh, and, um, and I, you know, on the one, on the one end, you feel helpless, but on the other end, you don't ask for help. Yeah. So that's the problem, basically, right? Uh, mm-hmm. That's a problem. And, and then I love how you said that it shows up in the body. So you cannot separate your mind or your, your soul, your mental health mm-hmm. from your, from your physical health. It, it goes together. Exactly. And, um, and it's uh and sometimes we don't we don't uh, recognize it or realize the importance of it that both has to be healthy or at least we have to uh care for both basically exactly. Um, exactly. and um uh, and then um and i think i don't know how it is for you uh, Danique, but i think i feel more the older i get <laughs> like i feel more okay i can i have to deal with an issue Mm-hmm. Otherwise, it will show up in different places. I don't know if you have the same feeling, right? You know, like oh, yeah. if you can solve it there, it's going to show up somewhere else or it's going to show up again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that, that takes a toll. Yeah, sorry. It I does. It does. And, and you know, really across all ages, Yerika, that is the truth. I think as we get older, yes, to your point, we probably, what we're building is awareness. So, mm-hmm. you know, hopefully we're we're able to to connect those dots, um, therapy can help with that too. But what we start to experience is that, okay, I was, you know, really upset about this thing or disappointed about, you know, this thing. And now I'm finding myself completely irritable with what, with my partner, with my children, I'm not functioning at work. And so we start to connect the dots that this is probably related, but the same is true for all ages. It's just the awareness that isn't there. And, you know, it, it, that's developmentally appropriate. We wouldn't expect kids to say, hello, mom, I'm disappointed that I didn't get this thing. So now I'm going to be acting out about something else. You know, mm-hmm. that's what we call acting out. It's usually, um, it's an expression of, of an internal experience. So you're absolutely right. This, you know, keeping this thing quiet, not talking about it, it, it definitely takes a toll. Loving, you know, the way that you phrase that, it does take a toll. It takes a toll emotionally, spiritually, on the body, shows up in, in our connections, in our relationships. And it's it's often not sustainable. And that's kind of, you know, what brings us to um, some point of intervention, seeking help in some way, even if it's, it's talking to a friend. And, and that might be enough, but just being able to share and not bottle that feeling up inside. Yes. I 100%, 150% agree. <laughs> and uh, I have, uh, I want to discuss with you two statements. One statement is, so would you say asking for help is a sign of strength? And does everyone needs a therapist? <laughs> yes. So the first one, um, asking for help is a sign of strength. Absolutely. Yes. I think all around asking for help with your mental health, your physical health, asking for help with tasks at work, with your household, with with caregiving. Asking for help is 
it's critical because you are in tune with your experience. And when you start to build the capacity to, to understand what's happening internally, that is always a strength. So if mm-hmm. you have a place where you're saying, all right, I, I need some assistance here. I need some help. Then yes, that is absolutely being vulnerable is, is a strength. Um, and then everyone needs a therapist. That was the other one. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I'm so tempted to say, yes, of course. Um, and I did a little bit to say my hope is that everyone gives therapy a try at least once. Um, because, you know, research shows that folks might not be in, in therapy for a long time. And there, there are many people who the experience is just, it's, it's, it varies. There, there are folks who may have one very cathartic session with a therapist. And that's mm-hmm. enough. That's enough for that experience. And, you know, maybe they, they connect with the therapist later on, different things are happening in life. So, you know, it doesn't have to, to mean this is an ongoing relationship or person that you see forever. Um, this could be a relationship that you establish, you know, during one phase of your life and, um, you may take it with you. You may pause, start again. It, it just, it looks, it looks so different. It's, you know, it's, I don't know what people picture when they, when they therapy, but, you know, there's the, the person, on, yeah, laying on the couch, looking through glasses, notepad, tell me how you feel today. And, you know, it's, 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 it's limiting, but therapy, uh, therapy is, it, it's, it's broad, it's diverse, it's co-created, it's a courageous conversation, yes, uh, but it honors when it's done well, it, you know, it honors so much of, of who you are, and so it, it, it changes. There are people who do house calls, Yedega, with the mm-hmm. elderly population. So therapy for them looks like tea and toast for an hour. And that might be the only social connection that that, that population has for that period of time. Um, people do ecotherapy. So therapy could look like a hike or, you know, a walk somewhere outside. So I think as we start to, to shift our, our ideas of, of what therapy has been and you know what it was and sure and it's in his in its historical uh you know where it comes from we a lot of those thoughts are are are, are based on truth and it has evolved and so that is my hope that yes maybe everyone does give give therapy a, a try uh once yes that is uh Denise, you, you know you said it so well because uh, i think a lot of a lot of people have the thought that you go to a therapist you have to sit on the couch you are judged mm-hmm. it is basically maybe a one-sided experience you know you're just there to tell them what is on your mind and that person writes it down in a notebook right. <laughs> but right. there, there's so much more about it and i think uh, if you don't try it you will never know what it can do for you exactly <laughs> That's the main thing. And I think we need to shift generally like our perspective, you know, mm-hmm. as you said, like, and, and I love that. So I'm repeating it as well is like, it is what we invest in ourselves is actually a form of self care, if you would say uh, too. And, um, and self care, you know, balances out so much all the, all the things that we're facing and life is obviously not uh, easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And then I, I wanted to say another thing as well is what I like about um, what I like what I like about going to therapy is uh, to another thing is if I talk to my friends right am I maybe mm, putting too much on their shoulders mm. you know talk to them mm-hmm. uh, and um, because they are my friends they will probably feel the pain the way I will feel it or vice versa so I think as well like how fair is it to always put it on their shoulders is it not better maybe to speak to someone who can be a little bit who's more neutral mm. you know and maybe carries you carries uh carries the weight less but that's will be that will be something that i will be interesting as interested as well like can you shake off what you hear ah uh, yeah that's a good question so i would say um there, the clinical training really does um support the therapist in being able to really deeply connect relationally with the, with the client and also lean on the clinical training and the theories that inform uh, the way that that therapist works to really lean on those, to, to have kind of a, a level of, of objectivity, to be able to, to follow the thread of the conversation, the client's experience, those feelings, keep, keep track of what's going on, keep track of what this narrative is, um, it, it is a delicate balance 
But yes, therapists are, are able to lean on that clinical training in a, in a different way than maybe a friend can. I do want to say though that it's, it's, you know, friendships are, are, are transformative. Yeah, like so when people are connected socially, that alone is, uh, one of the biggest things that we look for as therapists, just in terms of support, who's in your life. We can do a lot of work together for meeting once a week, that kind of thing. But when you're, when you're out of here, who's with you, who, you know, who, who makes space for you. So to your point, I think it's always, you know, great to check in with your friends, you know, how, what's going on with you. You know, I've been feeling a lot and I've been sharing a lot, but check in with your friends. How is this going for you? Is there a balance? I want to make space for you too. I think that's part of just relating with each other, right? Making space, making space. I think that's, that's important. The therapist role though, yes, it, it is a little bit different. So we are designed to really the, the work is designed rather to really hold that space for you. Um, and therapists have therapists, and, <laughs> you know, take care of ourselves. Ideally, there's also deep self-care human beings too. And yeah, there, you know, there's sessions where I'm, I'm really connected and close with my clients. I'm, I'm feeling uh, for them. So I, I do, you know, my own rituals to make sure that I'm, I'm able to take care of myself and continue to honor that space while I open another for someone else. Dimik, there's there are so many reasons why I love you as a human being. <laughs> so, there was so because yeah, you're right. You know, friends are in community is important. Without community, I believe uh, life is not hard. That's what brings me joy. That what make what makes me happy. That's what heals me. To obviously to a certain point where you say where you where the the community that you have can heal you. You know, there's mm-hmm. I think there are. There are limits to that as well, but you're right. Like you meet someone once a week and probably that's like a person that guides you into, into the right direction, but you have to have the right environment as well that basically um, supports uh, what whichever inner work you're doing. And if you can check in with your friends and they can check in with you, I mean, that is such a gift that we underestimate a it lot of times. A gift. You're absolutely right. It is a gift. So um, another question I want to... Uh, would like to ask you is uh, how would the world look like if all of us would ask for help and all of us would have therapy? What would you think? Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's um, a nice utopia going on there. Um, I do think we would all be connected to at least someone, right? I, I um, you know, I, so that, that will vary from, from experience to experience and how that shows up for, for each person. But I do think we would all be connected. So if I am asking for help, then there's someone for me to ask. If I am seeing a therapist in some in some capacity, you know, once weekly or something, and you are also, it, it makes space for I think a few things. We're both engaging in in some internal work, so mm-hmm. we're less likely, or maybe it happens a lot less that we're taking out different experiences on each other. Just using you and I for example. So I think generally we we are tended to. There's someone who is you know, who's making space for us, um, so that it, it kind of frees up the emotional flexibility, you know, that we that we are allowed to have. It, it frees up the capacity to do other things, to, to to think creatively, to think critically, to connect critically. If we're not all holding. Uh, the things that that um, are really heavy to hold. So if we're asking for help and holding them, if we're if we're looking at um, clinical work and therapeutic interventions to help us, then we're both. There's it's kind of a two four situation there where we're we're all connected. So that's mm. great building community, uh, and we're all there's some there's some level of accountability in what's going on internally, so that we can show up as as um, as fuller humans as our whole selves. So that would be beautiful. Yes, I would say that it would be beautiful as well. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I loved uh, how you um, explained it. And um, I can, uh, I asked the question because I, as uh, as you uh, said as well, like I believe it will make a better world for sure. Because if we if we all connected, I think we probably are more empathetic. We understand each other better. Yeah. And, and um, I and. Uh, and then there's another layer of thought for me is that uh, I don't believe humans are bad. Mm. I believe our, our experiences makes us good or bad. Mm. So if we don't have anyone to handle or to take care of, of those experiences properly with, 
uh, I think that affects us. Uh, and I, I can see that like yeah. at the time you change, you know, your friends change, your circle change, and that's all a part of experiences that you have. And I think um, mm-hmm. mental health, uh, like if you have a someone that can help you just maybe rationalize it, you know, talk to about it, whether it's your community, whether it's your yeah. therapist, whether it's your family, <laughs> I think that makes a huge, huge difference. It and, does. And it makes yeah. Uh, it's connected to access, I, I, I think, because the question you asked, you know, where we're going with, okay, if we had a magic wand, how would this go? But access is a big part of that because not everybody can um, access therapy in a traditional sense. But to your point, yes, it, it, it may look the therapeutic part of the, the healing um, if it comes through conversations with, with family, with friends, if you're not able to, to access therapy there, you know, with everything that's happening in the world, there are a lot of that are um, supporting therapeutic conversations and just through the different apps that you once had to pay for many of those are um, offering use for free therapists are there's some therapists who are part of different collectives who are offering maybe the first three to five sessions for free there are a few of those things going on um, right so it, it may look different um, depending on where you are and the resources that are available to you and it, it may just look different it, you may find that the conversation that, you know, this, I'll be honest with you, this conversation that you and I are having is, is feeling a little therapeutic for me. But <laughs> I can say the same thing, Danique. Oh, uh, that's why, um, I mean, that is every time when we speak mm-hmm. for me, therapeutic and healing. So it's, mm-hmm. and, but even now just talking about it and you're right, you know, it's, it's a, the, the access is a big question, specifically in our communities. Access is a big question because if I talk to, for instance, to my mom and say, "Okay, that would be that would mean that would be good for you," she would say, "Okay, I want to use my resources not for that." Right? Mm-hmm. That comes from somewhere that thought process that comes from how to manage money, from times where you have to think about how to put food on the table first. You know, there's like the priorities are not are not there, and yes. and then that's. That's if you have the funds. Exactly. Right? Even if if you don't have the funds, I mean, I, I definitely think it is it is a luxury as well, but it's a necessity too. That's I think where um it gets um we, where it gets tricky. But you uh, share with us like there are different uh, opportunities right now, and technology changed it. You know, there are ways where you can make it a bit more cost efficient, mm-hmm. and um. I think that's that's a good shift because uh, otherwise we will have again uh, societies where we have a part that is maybe mentally healthy, f- physically, <laughs> and has access to education, has access to health insurance, has access to everything and because of the food. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah and I don't think that is an ideal world uh, where we should live in, <laughs> and um, uh, we think alike in that regard. But what is your your opinion? I'm in agreement with you fully. I think, you know, as we talked about in the in the beginning, if if we start to see mental health um, as the way that we we do with physical health and the way that we prioritize physical health or or hope to prioritize health in general, then then it becomes kind of an integral part of of how we approach well being, right? So if you're, you're you know that that connection that you're talking about, I would add spiritual um, to that as well. It's all connected, mental emotional, uh, physical, spiritual. So if, if one part is broken down, that, that changes everything within that person and within that person's, um, realm of, of influence. So their families, their friends, it's a ripple effect. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I think, you know, you're absolutely right. Speaking to resources are not equal. So for, for folks who are deciding, you know, between, really, really critical things around survival and, and this, then this mental health um, and therapeutic interventions may feel like, um, I mean, there will be a luxury. Uh, and if, if there are other ways to engage, yeah, there, you know, there are groups sometimes in, in communities where there are groups who are dealing with um, the same kinds of maybe challenges, groups around uh, motherhood or couples groups or, you know, support around um, racism, things that are 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 just um, you know challenges at work. They're different groups, so that might be a cheaper model um, that someone might be able to access. Or again, just you know, leaning on whatever resources you might have available to you. Is it a, a, a podcast of your favorite therapist who shares information? Is it what you're reading? 
um, what you're listening to. So it starts to take really, you know, different forms. And my hope is that if those things become a little bit more accessible, then maybe over time, that makes a big difference. And then um, perhaps therapy uh, becomes more accessible. If not, then, you know, community um, is is where I tend to, to go. I agree. Um, but uh, again, a lot of a lot of things, specifically now where we are feeling <laughs> the whole pandemic, and I think we're all struggling a little bit with that situation. I think um, um, we're talking about different forms of mental uh, mental health or therapy, or at least we are. I think this time is showing us that we need to take care of it. Yes, yeah. for me, like, I can feel it. Like I can <laughs> purely feel. <Yeah. laughs> Yeah, this time is showing us we need to take care of ourselves and each other. The things that we are feeling, yeah, this it's 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 normal to feel to feel the things that we're feeling. And then and you know, and then what? Do are we talking about it? Are we able to care for ourselves? There's so much uncertainty in this time, Yadiga, so much grief, so much loss. It's just, you know, to be sitting with with that um and and be functioning or trying to function and show up to work every day or you know if you if you're able to still have employment there's loss there too so there, there's a lot there's a lot that we're we're holding or holding you know for friends for family for loved ones that this this is the time i would agree with you to 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 really try to connect yes absolutely but i mean it's good we need it i i think it's good mm -hmm. because for me it shows we need it to have that time and to think that's how I see it for myself, mm -hmm. just personally for myself. Right. Mm -hmm. I think it's good. It shows us the importance of um, connection. It shows us the importance of mental health. It shows us uh, that, that we definitely need each other and that self-care is, is important. And as you said, there's a lot of things going on and, um, and maybe that is going to be a shift to the better uh, yeah. in the future, because it's a good reminder Um for uh, each uh, individual mm -hmm. and um so and hope so <laughs> i hope so i hope so as well <laughs> but uh, um as we draw or uh, as we uh, already explained our utopia so for everyone who's listening you know what we can do if we <laughs> just make sure we ask for help and mm -hmm. talk to a therapist and uh you know just make sure we are good Yeah, uh, basically. Um, so we're coming slowly towards the end of this uh, episode, Danique. Mm -hmm. I want to ask you some final questions. Sure. That I usually ask. Um, and uh, the first one is, um, what is one thing, one beautiful thing someone has done for you? Mm -hmm. And why are you grateful for this experience? Mm -hmm. um, mm, uh so I think most recently, this is so hard to answer. Um, <laughs> I know it's a tough question. <laughs> it also makes me grateful because I'm really grateful for the community I have. But I think most recently, um, uh, my birthday was last month and a friend um, surprised me and baked a cake. And a couple of friends uh, came over who were part of my quarantine circle. And she, she it, it was so thoughtful. She baked a cake that is um, traditionally um, of Jamaican um, uh, culinary background. Uh, mm -hmm. Some research, she's Kenyan. She did some research around that. My friends lit candles and sang to me. Yet again, I haven't had that since I was maybe 12. So to stand there and, you know, they're singing happy birthday to you. And I, I, I just, it felt really special. Um, And that was before I left the Bay uh, to, to head to Jamaica to spend some time with my dad. And for me, it's always around thoughtfulness. It's never really the actual material thing. It was just, you know, we we have been separated from each other and with this physical distancing thing that we've all been trying to manage. And mm -hmm. just this, the thought that went behind finding something that was close to my heritage, making it, trekking it, you know, across town to to come and, and really sing for me. For me, that was really beautiful. And I, I mm -hmm. definitely appreciate her for that. That is beautiful. Uh, Didi, what kind of cake was it? Hummingbird <laughs> cake. Thanks for asking. Hummingbird <laughs> cake. It's just, it's a, it's a spiced cake is the way that I would um, describe it. So it's, it, yeah, it's almost like a, a coffee, chai, um, raisiny, uh, nutmeg, cinnamon. It's, yeah, it's, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. 
it's uh, it sounds very delicious i'll definitely try um try that cake but it's so beautiful you know as you said it's for you is the thoughtfulness that that made it so special and um and uh and that everyone was there for you and it's again about community you know the the people around you and uh, the person that you are you know because uh yeah. they are there to celebrate you oh okay i lost, lost me again <laughs> sorry yeah. didn't you're back it's okay yeah. so it is yeah for me that's so beautiful because it, it is like as you said it's about the little things you know the thoughtfulness mm -hmm. uh the research she uh she yeah. did and uh the people showing up for you but that is as well because you are a special person uh too because you show up for others uh as well so thank you so much for sharing that Danique and um the next thing the next thing I would like to ask you is, um, if you could change one thing on this planet, what um, would it be? <laughs> another question. Oh, my gosh. You know, my first thought is, oh, there would be no coronavirus, obviously. Um, <laughs> and then we get access and everyone having everything that they need. But I guess, you know, if I were to pick something, just even based on the conversation that we're having today, I think it would be the ability um to the ability to connect, the ability to also to to have space and time for introspection, um, to be able to build the awareness around your experience, what's going on internally, your emotions, your your feelings. The word that you used earlier, Yadaga, empathy, I think that really it is it's such a life source and it's healing. So to be able to cultivate empathy, um, I think is something that I that's something that I would I would want to would want to change. Um, if we can approach each other with empathy, really, if we can um, if we can look at ourselves with empathy, without judgment, being kind to ourselves, mm -hmm. we'd have a, a much better place. And, and you know, same goes for the planet. If we're approaching taking care of the planet with empathy. I think we'd be around for a while. Yes, so 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 true. Empathy is definitely. Um, something very special uh, i think something that you might that you can lose that you can gain back but mm -hmm. something that um uh, makes uh life i think more joyful as you as you described it you know yeah and so that is uh yes yes mm -hmm. can i vote you for president that we can and then while we're there's something that i talked uh, a bit uh, before about was uh, like a question that already um arised uh, before was uh, do you believe that humans are good i would like to know that from your professional background the perspective and from your person like individual mm. Um, fortunately, in this case, it's one and the same. Um, uh, and, and it's, yes, I do believe that humans are good. And so, yeah, professionally, I, I am, I am, that's what I do for a living. I, I, I am invested in, in, in people's, uh, journeys and their, um, uh, what they're processing in, in their hopes for restoring goodness and balance in their lives. And, and personally, yeah, I, I, I believe the same thing. So, you know, from both ends, to your point earlier, the environment shaping a lot of our experiences, the environment shaping a lot of the narratives that we internalize, how we're socialized, how we're allowed to be, what we're allowed to feel, you know, when, when that, um, when we're up against different kinds of things like that, different challenges, what does that mean for us? How does that change us? How does it shape us? So if, if someone's leaning in, you know, the other direction, I often, you know, think what, what happened to you versus, you know, what's wrong with you or something like that. So, yes, I do believe that, that humans are inherently good. And, you know, that's not to take away from when people cause harm, Yadiga, it, it, it's it's an awful feeling, right? When, when someone mm -hmm. causes you harm, it's an awful feeling. So it's not always accessible. It's not always the first thought, you know, when someone is really hurtful and, um, and causes harm, your thought, first thought might not be, Oh, I believe you're inherently good. So let me, you know, that we're human beings. Listening, <laughs> you know, stripping away all of that and kind of pausing for a moment. A lot of that time, a lot of a lot of that um, is about the person and, and not so much about us. Even though we're left impacted 
Um, mm. So yeah, short answer is yes, I believe humans. Are <laughs> <laughs> um, that's that's good. Yes, and you and it like um, I like how, the way you explain it. Like this, when we are impacted by someone mm-hmm. um, who's hurting us, um, and most likely it is because that person has hurt themselves. But in the moment, I'm just feeling the impact of it, and mm-hmm. and. It, it may be difficult to just separate uh, that from um, the, the issue. And then on the other hand, uh, we need to protect ourselves, I believe. You need to protect yourself as yeah. well. Um, so my final question, I don't want to be to my final question, <laughs> is um, what is, you know, that the, the title of my podcast is What is the Idea of Us? And I would like to know what is your idea of us? Mm. I love the title of your podcast, by the way. Um, <laughs> my idea of us is that we are all connected. Um, we are all uh, responsible for, for one another. Um, and and I, I, I'm not sure how that sounds, but I can tell you what I mean. In, in, in your very first episode, you talked about the, the principle of Ubuntu and mm-hmm. I love it so much. And I, it's something that I really rely on in my work and in my, my, my life. Um, I am because you are. Um, I am. I, I, I am Danique because you are Yedega. We are in relationship with each other in every context, you know? So, mm-hmm. so my idea of us is that we are, is that we are connected. And if we can see that, you know, if I can see that my, my joy and my well-being is inextricably linked to yours, then I have empathy. Then I'm invested in, in your future because I'm invested in mine. It, 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 it just it makes for a more holistic um, way of being with each other. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's my idea of us. There couldn't be a more perfect ending, Danique. You explained it so beautiful. <laughs> question. Perfect. Thank you. Like, I mean, um, you know, I agree on so many levels uh, mm-hmm. with you. It's and um, Ubuntu is a beautiful, beautiful philosophy, and um, and uh, the way you expl- explain uh, explained it mm-hmm. <laughs> I might I might copy copy that. <laughs> but um, okay, so we borrow ancient wisdom. You know, all this came before us. Our ancestors set this up for us to to live by and to to lean on. So it's yours, it's mine, it's it's ours. <laughs> it is that's so true. And um, and uh, we are here. Um, we are thanking our ancestors for that again, <laughs> for giving us that wisdom. And I'm thanking you, Danique, for. Um, sharing with us uh, your thoughts today, your personality, um, uh, for sharing, you know, so many valuable things. Like, I hope, mm-hmm. and I think we hope the same, that everyone, um, you know, takes, uh, the, takes, the, uh, takes the things that they need uh, with them and make, you know, make sure that they are um, taking care of their, of their, uh, themselves and mm-hmm. um, understanding you know, that we are all one community <laughs> and we need to take care of each other. Mm-hmm. And, um, yeah, you know, I learned so much, Danique. Oh, uh, thank you. <laughs> thank, yeah, you. Yeah. thank you for having me. Thank you for the invite. Thank you for creating this space. It is, it's so important and I, I value you so much. Um, so thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, thank you, uh, Danique. I mean, what can I say or summarize that would give it justice? Danique shared with us so many valuable insights. And if going to a counselor was not attractive yet, I'm sure she changed your mind. I want to highlight one quote from her today because it was so powerful. So powerful for me that I even thought about it days after we recorded this episode. Where she talks about her passion and purpose. I quote, my passion and purpose in mental health is being fully invested in the mental and emotional well-being of my ancestors' children. I had to thought I had to think about this for days and I was wondering why it resonated with me so much. And then I remember a saying that said, when you heal yourself, you equally heal your ancestors. And we also help prevent the next generation from going through the same things. To be at the forefront of this and to make this your life's mission touches me to the point where I actually am getting emotional. And I have deep, deep gratitude to her and everyone else in this profession. 
What I learned today from Danique and what I would love for you to take with you is that finding your purpose is essential because Danique is a great example of what you can achieve and impact if you are truly aligned with your mission. That there are stigmas around mental health that we together as a community should break. Stigmas around why and who has to be consciously strong and robust and pushed through. Around sharing secrets of information about your family situation and therefore hiding the issues and not solving them. About the belief that mental health is something we only fix or care of once it's broken. Let's try to shift that focus and make asking for help healthy and a sign of strength. Let's applaud people who seek a counselor or a therapist for their courage. Let's check in in ourselves, in our friends, in our family members. Because that sounds like the society that I would love to create and love to live in. And I leave it at that. I want to take the time again and thank Denise for sharing her knowledge, her wisdom and her time with us. Make sure to reach out to her. You can reach out to her over Instagram through her handle, Denique underline B. And um, you can reach out to me as well if you would like to have more contact information from her. We would love to know what you thought about this show today. What are your thoughts about mental health and asking for help? And I hope this was of value for you. Until next time, I wish you much love and light. Yeah, that guy.